You're listening to the e-commerce Maven podcast. I'm your host, Christy Sumer, founder and e-commerce girl boss of the ethical fashion brand Encircled and the e-commerce coaching company Retail Bliss. This podcast is designed for e-commerce bosses who want to take their online store to the next level. Together, we'll take on your toughest challenges, motivate you to do the work, and give you all the tools and strategies necessary to build a sustainable and profitable online store. You deserve to make money doing what you love, and I can help. Let's get you started on creating that e-commerce brand of your dreams. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the e-commerce Maven podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Um, I've gotten quite a bit of feedback on my show lately, which is awesome. Um, I'm really here to help you guys the most. So if you do have any topics that you really enjoy my perspective on or people you'd love to see come on the show, I really want to do some interviews in 2018 with small business owners to talk about, you know, how they've built their businesses and what's worked and what hasn't. Um, Just send me an email, hello at christysumer.com. So today's podcast is all about branding. So today I'm going to share with you the five branding errors that we're all making. And when I say we're all making, I mean, let's be real. We've all gone through, you know, those somewhat icky times of our business from when we used to do our own graphic design and maybe we weren't the graphic designers to our website looking like a dog's breakfast to maybe our packaging not being exactly what we want it to be. And maybe you're still there and that's totally fine. But there's a lot about branding that's beyond like the visual identity of your brand. Um, There's a lot that goes into a brand. Um, It's often said that a brand is kind of what people say about you when you're not around. So I always use that as a moniker for my business encircled. And I always try to think about like, what are people going to say about us when we're not in the room? And I particularly love it when we get written up about in press, because I always like to hear how other people articulate our brand and whether it's aligned with what we're saying ourselves. And that's also good temperature test to see if your what you do and how you're saying it is really and how it's being digested by somebody like a writer or um, a blogger is kind of sharing with their audience and actually that's a great way to potentially refine your vision if you feel like you've stumbled on explaining it yourself sometimes other people can explain your business better than yourself Um, so Today we'll talk about the five um, errors we're all making, and we'll go into. I'll go. I'll give you guys an example, probably from my business, and then I'll give you some action steps after each one that I think you can do to kind of move forward from all these challenges. Branding is a beast. I mean, I've worked at some really large brands in my life, <clears throat> most notably Colgate Palmolive, which, you know, it's very easy. I want to say it's very easy, but. <laughs> it's easier to build a brand or maintain a brand. I guess when you have a lot of money, um, that's the reality. When you're scrappy and you're a startup and you know you don't have that much money, you have to be very creative. I worked at um, this home security company called Voxcom when I was, oh my gosh, I think I was 26, 25 or 26. And I was working in like a marketing area, I guess. And I was there for about a year. And if you guys know a little bit about me, I'm a bit of a go-getter. So I was like crazy superstar, just trying to like take on everything. And the VP really noticed and gave me like a whole division. And I was so excited. 
um the guy who was running it he wasn't doing a very good job he was like I think he was in his 50s and they gave it to me and I was like 27 and I was like oh my god now I'm running managing people and I'm doing all this stuff and then I saw the marketing budget and it was I'm not even kidding you I think it was $30,000 a year um and that may sound big to some brands but for the scale of business it was it was ridiculous and actually 98% of that budget was being spent on yellow pages um which if you don't know what that is it's actually yellow pages books so back in the day they used to make phone books um so that's what they were spending on so you have to get really creative when you're dealing with a smaller budget but it's definitely possible to build and enhance a brand you just have to um get a little bit more scrappy about it so the first thing that i commonly see um us all making in terms of a branding era is that we assume everyone knows what we do and why. I often talk to my team at Encircled about that we need to explain what we're doing to the level of like a four or five-year-old. I picked that up from Colgate. I remember one of my directors, she used to always tell me that I need to explain things in like really simple terms to executives. And I never really understood it until I actually presented to an executive and realized they've got a lot going on. Like they've got other brands they're managing, they've got their own priorities, they've got their family, they've got massive like business priorities from like head office and stuff like that. So simple is better. Um, so the tendency for us nowadays, I guess, is that consumers have never had a shorter attention span. There was actually an article in the Globe and Mail, which is Canada's national newspaper, that was talking about like Canadians having basically like the attention span of a goldfish, which is pretty sad, um, largely due to smartphones and stuff like that. So you can just imagine like people are reading something about you in an article or maybe they're on Instagram and just like in a flicker of a moment, they're onto something else and they forget about you. Um, and they're also seeing a lot of messages out there from tons of other brands. So we have to make the assumption that for the most part, other than our loyal, loyal fans, at the beginning, not very many people are going to know who you are and what you're doing and why you're doing it. So you need to constantly be reaffirming that message. And I'm not saying you have to like rewrite your mission statement in every single Instagram post, but elements of what you stand for, your values, need to be a part of everything that you do, whether it's how you send your emails to the type of customer service messages you send to what goes in a box in a package. Um, there's so many different touch points for consumers and you can't make the assumption that people know you only like encircled is almost is just over five years old. Um, and for you guys that know, I ran it part time for two and a half years, I think in total. So I kind of almost consider it two and a half years old. Um, and we didn't start getting like, quote unquote, known until recently. And I wouldn't say we're broadly known. I would say within a certain niche, people like know us. And that's been very like, cool to hear. But it also means that, okay, we're doing really well in a segment, but we got to move out and we got to keep that continuous conversation going. So don't assume that everybody knows what you're doing and why. So for an action step for this one, what I thought would be cool would be to rewrite out what you do, for whom, and why. So for example, 
we make um, sustainable wall hangings for the urban bohemian because your home deserves to be a place that you love and cherish. So taking that framework, um, I would recommend just like writing it down on a piece of paper and figuring out from there, like what are the key elements that are central to your brand? So in that example, um, the wall hangings is definitely what's central. They make wall hangings. Um, The sustainable fabrics that they're using and yarns to make the wall hangings. And it seems like they have like a bohemian vibe, an urban bohemian vibe, which is kind of unique. So what are those elements that could infuse into other marketing materials, into your language that you're using in posts, and really start to make a list of things that could branch out from that? So for example, like bohemian, maybe the word hippie, maybe the word like flower child, like start to do some like brainstorming like that. Um, A great tool is a mind map. If you download one of those apps on an iPad or on your phone, it's a great way to kind of brainstorm and provide yourself with structure. But start with that and see how you go. But I think there's a lot you can do um, in terms of reiterating your brand without having to like slap consumers in the face with who you are because that just becomes wallpaper too to some people okay so the second branding error we all make is that we talk to ourselves not our dream customer so it's very again this kind of ties in very nicely with the first one that we assume that everybody knows what we do and why but we do have a tendency all to talk to ourselves instead of focusing on our dream customer and that's because we have a very important message we're very passionate about our products we want to share all the things about what makes our products so amazing Um, and trust me i'm like 100 percent guilty of this i think i've gotten better in this area but i remember when i first started um, for sure, like my first piece is this like eight in one piece and you can wear it eight different ways. And I remember just being like, okay, so this is eight in one versatile. It's also made from sustainable fabric and it's also ethically made in Canada. And it's just like too much information to take in. And it's actually not paying attention to what the most important element is to a customer. So my dream customer at that time was like a carry-on only traveler, somebody who saw the advantage to traveling light and packing light. So really what I should be focused on is the versatility that that adds to their like suitcase so that they can travel lighter and do more with less. Um, But the tendency is to want to pile on a couple extra things because to you, they're really meaningful, but to a customer, they may just be a bonus point, not the reason why they buy. So as an action step on this one, I'd like you to take out that piece of paper again um, and write a number two um, and write, we talk to ourselves, not our dream customer. And for this one, I think a good exercise is to um, take a product or maybe I guess your brand in general, if you want, and just write down, take your most, let's do this. Let's take your most popular product and write down three selling points for that product like what makes that product so amazing so is it the ultra soft fabric is it the um hand woven accents is it the sterling silver chain like what are the top three elements there and now step into the shoes of your dream customer and if you haven't done any work around who your muse is your ideal customer then i highly recommend looking that up i think i have some posts on it as well Um, but there's some great resources on the internet about it. Um, And basically just 
step into his or her shoes and think about what is the reason that people buy your most popular product? What is it about it? Is it that it's unique? Is it that it's spiritual? Is it that it is handmade? And circle that element. And next time you're doing like an Instagram post or um, a Facebook ad or something, try just leading with that one point and see what kind of difference it makes in your communications. Um, Less is definitely more in communication and simplification does help. So step three, we price products out of fear, not faith. And hands raised again, I'm totally guilty on this one. Um, So pricing products to me is a tricky one. It is basically essentially a formula. Um, There's a pricing template that I use with all my one-on-one clients to make sure that they're building enough margin into their products, aka profit. Um, and to be honest, like you have to price your products profitably or else you're not going to have a sustainable business. Um, and if you ever want to do wholesale, which I don't do, but you have to have a lot of margin to support that and probably a lot of volume to make it worthwhile. Um, so you really need to think about pricing. Pricing to me is a branding thing and never have I run into this more than with my own brand encircled because We are a fairly high price point for many consumers. We're not luxury, but we are up there. We're competitive with like Lululemon, but Lululemon is a very big brand and they've been around for a lot longer than we have and have a lot more equity in people. Um, And they are seen as premium too. So when we come out with our $68 made in Canada sustainable t-shirt, although it's totally worth more than Lululemon's products in my opinion, because it's ethically made and it's sustainable, Um, the perception is that it's not because people don't know our brand. Some people do and they get the value, but when somebody really buys into your mission and your vision, then they start to not see as much the price and they want to be part of the movement. So pricing is complicated, but I remember I had to do a price increase a couple years ago and, um, I really had to push myself to it because, I don't know. I, I think it's really hard because you you value your product. You know how much goes into it. But you also empathize with the consumer and you want them to buy more and you want them to switch over. And price can be a big barrier, especially in the ethical fashion space. Um, but you also need a sustainable business. So I think you have to look at it not as a singular thing. I think you do the math, do the work behind your brand and see what the price is, do some competitive research, and then make sure it aligns with your brand. That said, you can have some different pricing structure. Um, I often give the example of milk um, at a grocery store. So milk is generally like kind of priced very competitively or eggs or butter because there's other stores that carry it. Um, So those types of entry level products are things that are designed to get people in the door and to the back of the store. Um, There's no coincidence that eggs, milk, etc. are usually at the back of the store and hopefully you'll buy other things. So you may have a product where you want to get people into your brand and therefore it is priced. Maybe the margin is a bit lower, but then you have other higher margin products to kind of balance that out. So there's no pricing strategy that's like one size fits all, but definitely have some faith in your brand and price your products as to how you want your brand to perceive in the future, not where you are today. Because with consistent effort and work and brand building, you will get there. So uh, the action step for pricing and moving from pricing products out of fear, not faith, 
is a big one. So just write it down right now. I want you to do a margin review of all of your products. Um, There's some great templates out there on the internet that you can get and go through your products and see where you've got some weak spots. Do you have any products like out of the gate that are less than 50% margin? That is not great, especially for clothing and accessories or shoes. You definitely want to push up to the 60s in those categories. So go through that. If you have done that work already, review it and see, are there any products where you've priced it at a level to make customers feel better where you're actually maybe not making as much money as you deserve on a quality product and have a look at that and be real with yourself. So number four, the fourth branding error we all make is we don't invest in good visual identity elements. Now, I'm all about the DIY. I actually have a post on DIYing your visual elements, including photography. Um, But that said, if you don't have a graphic design background and you're not talented in that space, you can definitely take courses and stuff like that. But what I found to be really helpful from an acceleration standpoint is actually hire a graphic designer to make you templates and then use those templates because honestly like it's really easy to use canva to do stuff and i know everybody always recommends that um but some of them start to look the same quite honestly when you start seeing them all over the place and then it doesn't feel very unique because canva has these layouts and they're very standard um and then also even if you're good at like diying design I don't know what it is. I guess it's what they teach them in school. Um, But there's just like a certain balance of like space, negative space, white space um, to text, to this, to that. It just always seems to be just that much better by a designer. It could be like the simplest word and it can be just like that much more eloquently um, visually scripted by a graphic designer. I don't know what it is. It's obviously something they learn in school. I didn't go to graphic design school. I went to business school. Um, So I did DIY my visuals, but at a certain point I did hire somebody off of Upwork and she made me a bunch of banner templates and she made me a bunch of um, blog headers and I could basically just drop in different photos and elements and it worked really well for my brand. So before I hired somebody to do that on my stuff full time, that was a great investment for me. So if you're already pretty kick butt at visual identity, you can totally ignore this one. And I know some of you guys that are listening are, so that's awesome. Um, but not all of us are blessed with the skills of Photoshop and Illustrator. So definitely do some looking, find a freelancer, um, lots of resources out there for that, and um, build some templates that you can use over and over again. So action step here is to write down all the common graphical elements that you use and identify anywhere that you can actually start to build templates or have somebody build them for you. Because also from a consistency standpoint and also efficiency, to be honest, you want to kind of have a consistent kind of look and feel um, that you can drop into. And not to say you don't want to mix it up every now and then, but Um, If you are pumping on a lot of emails, efficiency becomes really important as well. So the fifth branding error we all make is that we lack a consistent and unique brand voice. And this ties into pretty much the first and the second thing we talked about, um, about talking to ourselves and not our dream customer and assuming people know who we are and what we do and why. Um, Finding your brand voice is honestly like the hardest thing I think 
ever. So if you're not your ideal customer, like you are not the target, it can be very hard to like speak in a language that resonates. And that's just because you have to kind of reframe it. You can't write like you, you have to write what they might want to hear. And that is really difficult. Um, and consistency in this area can be really hard because maybe one day you've got something really snappy to say and then the next day you're like, I don't know, I can't think of anything cute or witty, so I'm just going to post this blah, this blah caption. And then you've kind of like broken the brand voice. So I'd say like examples of people I think have a really good brand voice. I'm not even going to use myself because I think that Encircle has a decent brand voice, but I don't think we're there yet either. Um, but I do think that the Being Boss podcast, they have a great brand voice. And if you go on their Instagram, I think it's at Being Boss. Um, Wear Lively, um, it's an underwear brand. They have an awesome voice. You can definitely get a feel for who they are and what they do. Um, and Lunia, L-U-N-Y-A, it's a lingerie company um, based out of, I think they're based out of LA. They also have kind of a cute, um, witty little vibe. And then last but not least, it's a Casper. They have a very like different voice than you would expect from a mattress company. So all of that is like really important. Your brand voice voice isn't just like what's in your Instagram posts or what's in your Facebook posts. It's like what's all over your damn website. So what's in your product descriptions, what's written on your homepage, like it all has to feel very cohesive. And that is difficult because you really have to start to define what that voice is, what words you use, what words you don't use. Like, and that can be, copywriting is crazy hard, crazy hard. It's the hardest thing I think for me at least. I actually think I'm better at visual design than I am copywriting in some aspects. I'm a really, I used to, well, I think I'm a decent writer. I used to be a really great writer when I was younger. I was really into like poetry and writing short stories and stuff like that. Um, I'd say I'm pretty decent at writing like blog posts and newsletters and stuff, but I'm not good at like short form communications. That is not my forte. So if you're good at that, like you are like miles ahead of a lot of us, which is awesome. Um, but if you're not, one thing you can do is just start to make a list of words that your ideal customer, your dream customer, whatever you want to call him or her uses on a daily basis and how he or she likes to be talked to from a brand. And ways you can kind of find that out is you can figure out if you can find some leaders in the industry who are complimentary to you, where your ideal customer also shops, that can be a bit of a clue. So for example, with Encircled, um, we actually learned recently that um, this brand Poppy Barley, which is an ethical shoe company in Canada, this direct consumer, um, shares a lot of common like um, Facebook fans, which was really interesting because I'd never heard of them before. One of the reasons why it was really interesting to me is because when I started to like follow them and I just recently got one of their emails, I think it was today. Um, and it just felt, it actually felt very much like us. Like they had a very authentic, transparent feel. It was very open, um, very much like sharing their personal kind of challenges and opportunities and very real. And I feel like Encircled is very real and raw as well. Like we kind of don't, we don't hold back. And that's part of 
our transparency, not only around our business, but our supply chain as well. Um, so it kind of made me think, oh, okay, you know what, maybe we do have a bit of a brand voice in Encircled. Um, and this is who I'm going to look to, to see what they're saying and how they're framing things. So if you can find some complementary brands who serve a similar customer and see how they're speaking and what terms are they using and how do they interact on comments. I honestly find comments like the hardest to interact on. Like sometimes I just don't know what to say. Oh my God, I'm so awkward on Instagram comments. It's not even funny. Um, but that said, like write down, let's say like three to five complimentary brands, like places where you know your dream customers also shop at and start to look at their Instagram accounts, their Facebook pages, their websites and make down, write down like two to three words to describe their tone of voice on each of those websites. And then just go back and see if there's any similarities between any of these complementary brands as well as your brand. And what are those elements and can you bring them out more and how? So those are the five branding errors we all make. Um, You are not alone if you're making all five of them. I bet you I've made them all five at any given time in my business journey. Um, And I'm definitely making a few myself right now. So this is very therapeutic for me as well. Um, But just in summary, we'll go over the five. So number one was we assume everyone knows what we do and why. Number two, we talk to ourselves and not to our dream customer. Number three, we price products out of fear, not faith. Number four, we invest in good visual. We don't invest in good visual identity elements. And number five, we lack a consistent, unique brand voice. So hopefully you caught all those action steps. If not, definitely go back in the episode and pause it um, and do the work. And if you're making any of these mistakes that I mentioned, leave one in the comments on the blog. I'd love to hear what challenge you're having. And I promise not to write you back an awkward comment, Um, but I will definitely write you back. So jump on over there and leave a comment and I'd love to hear from you guys. Thanks so much and we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning into the e-commerce maven podcast i'm your host christy sumer e-commerce boss extraordinaire of encircled.ca and founder of retail bliss if you'd like to check out the show notes they're available for you at retailbliss.ca and click on blog and search for the latest episode if you'd love to keep in touch i would too so check me out on instagram that's where i hang out the most at christy sumer that's k-r-i-s-t-i-s-o-o-m-e-r Keep doing what you're doing. You're doing awesome. Any small step is a step in the right direction. Keep up the work and we'll see you guys next week. Take care.